Okay, I reached the end of this podcast and realized I forgot to even introduce the podcast. So welcome guys to episode four, I think, of Influx with your girl, Alexis Blonde. (laughs) So it's only right that I start off this week's podcast by apologizing for my absence last week. There's really no excuse. I mean, I was going to blame it on the snowstorm blizzard that we had because we were all locked in for like three days. But it's also like, girl, you have a podcast. That's really no excuse. The truth is, you know, I don't want to be too heavy. It was never my intention to turn this into like a mental health podcast. So when I know my thoughts are just too intense, I just have this fear. Like men have always made me feel like I'm too much. Like my upbringing was too much my emotions are too much, I am just too much, I'm not light and fun. Although I can be light and fun, it's just that I have a lot of depth to me and I can be heavy. So it's just an insecurity that I have now and it's definitely not something I want to project onto an audience. But I also figure maybe that's what draws my particular audience, my particular demographic towards me. And I just felt like the previous episode was already so heavy. I was like, no, I can't do that to them again. I can't project my trauma onto them. But it's also like, I'm just working this shit out. You guys are working this shit out too. So maybe, maybe by me just working it out out loud, it can be helpful to someone. And the reason things are just so intense for me right now is I, I don't know, I've been dealing with the waves of getting out of one of those non-relationships with a narcissistic person who kind of just made me feel crazy. Because when you're mourning a non-relationship, they can always throw... Well, we were never or we were never a couple, so why are you hurting so bad? But that's also just a part of their narcissism to make you feel like you made it all up. And this is also something that I am just insecure about because I've dealt with this my whole life when it comes to my mother because my mother, you know, she abandoned me right when I was a baby. And I saw her like every four years throughout my childhood. But if you let her tell the story today, she'll be like, I was a great mom. I was there all the time. She'll even bring up fake memories. Like, remember you used to love this or remember you used to love that? And it's just like most of my adult time spent with my mother is me correcting her. Like, um, how would you know what I liked or you weren't there? So having someone kind of tell me my reality is not the reality is just a trigger for me because it's something that I have had to deal with my whole life and I find it funny that it's replaying in my adulthood just like every single thing else you just keep recreating the circumstances in which you were made and that seems really unfair for someone like me who didn't come from the best circumstances in the first place. So I'm dealing with that. I do have my good days, but I do have my bad days where it's just like, did I make it all up in my head? Am I delusional? Because, you know, that person will bring up a text from like 2019 and that said, 
hey, I'm not looking for anything serious. And you're just like, okay, well, we also traveled across the country to see each other. We went on trips together. We saw each other on a weekly basis. We talked daily. So yeah, I guess it felt like something at least to me. And I don't know. But yeah, that was never the intent for this podcast. I don't even know what the intent for this podcast is. I don't even know how to compartmentalize my contents for each platform. I don't know what should be a written entry. I don't know what should be a video for YouTube. And I don't know what should go on this podcast. But this podcast does feel like the rawest and truest form of me. So this is kind of where the unplanned and unfiltered content goes. The It's kind of a brain dump. And... It can be heavy, and maybe you might think I'm too much for you, just like a lot of people in my life, but maybe you're also one of those people who tends to be too much for others, and I hope that you can find solace in knowing that you're not the only one. So just bear with me as I figure this all out, because I have no idea where this is going. A few things I've noticed um from podcasting is one that I say um way too much I also notice that I say because and a lot and instead of saying like or and and like I need to enunciate better I need to say because because (laughs) I don't know how I got so lazy with my languaging and it's so embarrassing as a writer anyway one of the things I've been kind of pondering over this week is how fear how crippling fear can be for me and not just like like at first I thought it was just for physical activities right like if someone would invite me skiing I'd be like I'd say no even though I really do want to go skiing but I'm just so scared that I might fall or break an ankle or just make a fool of myself in front of the other person that it frightens me to the point of just not doing it at all and I don't know when this happened to me I don't know if this is just something that comes with adulthood because I don't remember ever having this fear as a child I was such an active child and I would try anything I was such a tomboy and I didn't care about falling and I didn't care about how falling would embarrass me and I don't know where this fear is coming from, but I think it's, it might be a societal thing because I've, I recently realized that it doesn't just pertain to physical activities. The guy that I talked about before, he was a chess player, an avid chess player. And one of the things he always wanted to do with me from the beginning of our quote unquote situation was play chess together and it's always something that I downplayed I'd be like oh you know I don't really remember I probably played it once or twice like I don't really know how I would fiend incompetence I would just act so dumb about it (laughs) but that's not true at all like that's not even a little bit true like I grew up playing chess with my father with my brothers with my uncles we always we had very fancy chess boards in all of our households and 
it was a thing. It was just like a thing that was just a regular part of our day-to-day experience. Trying to beat my father, trying to beat my cousin, trying to beat my uncle. And I do remember how to play chess very well. It just made me think like, why did you say that to him? Why did you pretend that you don't know how to play chess? And why did you go that whole situation never playing with him? And it's because I was so scared. I was so scared that I wouldn't be challenging enough for him. I was so scared that I would lose to him, that he, that his view of me would be different. And that's just a small example, but how many, how many things am I saying no to just based off of how scared I am to fail? How scared I am to not be as skilled as everyone else? And how unfair of a pressure is that to put on myself for things that are merely just skills? They're just taught No one is just going to jump on the slopes. No one is going to go ice skating. No one is even going to start playing chess and just be a pro at it. No one is going to just jump back into a hobby that they once had and be the greatest at it. It all takes practice. Everything takes practice. There's very few things that you're just naturally born with. I find that a lot of us are doing that. A lot of us are just letting fear dictate our decisions in even the smallest ways. Um, letting embarrassment <laughs> dictate our, our decisions. I was talking to my sister's mother about it, and she was telling me the same thing about cooking. But she's well over 50, and she's just started cooking. And she told me the story about how the first guy she dated, which happened to be my dad, um, she cooked for him. She cooked spaghetti for him and he threw it out because the noodles were overcooked and she just, it was her first time cooking and she just wasn't good at it. So after that, she had decided she was never going to cook for him again. And then she moves on into other relationships and she ends up with a guy who can cook very well. And he was so good at cooking that she just felt subpar in comparison to him, which made her not even try. And she even told a story about before she married that guy that she ended up with who could cook, that when she married him, her father had warned him, like, you can marry my daughter, but just to warn you, she can't cook. And it was just like a little ha-ha little moment, a little joke. But all of these things made her believe that she couldn't cook. She just never tried. She just never even tried. And now after her divorce, it's like she has no choice but to try. And in trying, she found out that she really enjoys cooking. It's very therapeutic for her. And she actually has gotten good at it. In fact, she just invited me over to have dinner that she made. They happen to live in the same building as me, so... That's why a lot of these stories kind of involve my conversations with her. But it just made me realize that these little comments that we get throughout our lives that seem harmless to the other person, 
really get into our psyche and really damage us. So upon that realization, I realized like there was this trend last summer where everyone was going roller skating. Like, I don't know, it was something about the pandemic where everybody became a professional biker and everyone got roller skates and it just blew up. I was too scared. I was too scared to join in on the fun because what if I'm not good at it? Just what if I'm not good at it? But so what? So what if you're not good at something? Like, I, sorry about the sounds outside, guys. Like, I live in a city. It's kind of unavoidable. I also live right next to a construction site. So that's also just kind of unavoidable. But yeah, the moral of this story is, like, I do get FOMO when I say no to those things. When I say no to physical activities because I'm too scared of making a fool of myself, the countless events that I turned down because I felt like my hair isn't right or I'm not skinny enough or I'm just not, the circumstances just aren't perfect right now and I'm going to look dumb. Just so many things in life that I said no to that I regret saying no to and I just think no more. I have some skates on the way to me and I am going to make a fool of myself I'm going to fall and that's okay the likelihood of me becoming a professional skater is slim to none but why miss out on something that could be fun for me that could be therapeutic to me I mean I'm sitting across from a guitar that I've had for at least five years that I've never even tried to play. I always blame it on the fact that I'm left-handed and it's a right-hand guitar, but the truth is, I'm just scared that I won't be good at it. I'm literally depriving myself of things that could be good for me, that could be fun for me, that could bring me joy out of just pure fear. And that's not fair. So, that's just where my thoughts were today, and I wanted to kind of share it with you all, because I feel like I can't be the only one who deals with that. And honestly, if there's anything that you've said no to, because you were scared of the failure, because you were scared that you'd feel embarrassed when you weren't as good as your opponent or whoever you were trying this with, then let this be your sign to let that shit go and do that exact thing. Whatever that specific thing is, go do that exact thing. I challenge you and I want to hear about it. Okay, I'm back, guys. I had to stop and just eat dinner really quickly. But I think I only have one more thing to say on that topic, which is it doesn't just have to apply to like things that you want to do, like physical things. It can also be like career things because we get FOMO about those things too. Like, like I'll just give myself as an example, like I write, I write a lot of poetry and I've always just wanted to make a poetry book. I'll see people my age and 
with my type of demographic come out with their own poetry book and I'll feel like damn I could have actually done that I just thought the market was too oversaturated I just had too much self-doubt and I just think we talk ourselves out of our own greatness too often and we're playing small so much and I would really like it if we all just stopped so in other news Malcolm and Marie which I was very excited about because as you all know I get a lot of comparisons to Zendaya (laughs) I don't see it but apparently a lot of my YouTube subscribers see it because it's like a common comment I get anyways I support everything that Zendaya does so when I saw the trailer for Malcolm and Marie, I was excited. I even suggested with my past entanglement, <laughs> I suggested we should watch it together, but we ended up um, <laughs> stopping communication before the movie came out. But I'm glad that happened because if we would have watched that together, we would have been so triggered. And I think so many of you who keep saying, That was triggering to watch. That was a toxic relationship. I couldn't even get through it. I don't know why they just didn't go to sleep. How lucky, how lucky are you to watch that and not relate to it? Because for me, those arguments hit home. It wasn't just a matter of we argued like that. We used to have those exact same arguments, like word for word. I was kind of suspicious about whether they were pulling these arguments straight from my text messages. And it's really weird to have yourself highlight it in that way and to have to face um, some things that you might need to heal from. It, it was a movie about abuse. And I think it should have been marketed as a movie about abuse. Because, I mean, that's okay. It's okay to have a movie about abuse. But why do the ones about physical abuse get a big trigger warning at the beginning of them, but the one about this mental abuse doesn't? All in all, I think it was beautifully filmed. And I think it highlighted something that was is is very real. I know firsthand that it is a very real experience for some of us. Some of us get caught up in the cycle of arguing and then try to cut each other. And a lot of my relationships were like that. A lot of my relationships were just us taking jabs at each other and trying to outwit each other which obviously is something I need to address within myself and probably go to therapy for but that doesn't negate the fact that it is a real experience and I'm glad that someone was able to capture it so beautifully another thing that was released this week was framing Britney well the New York Times has this docuseries about just an array of topics And this one was about Britney Spears' conservatorship. Girl, Britney Spears is a whole prisoner as a grown-ass woman. It is so sad. And the fact that she's paying for every single person, she's paying for her own lawyer, she's paying for the conservatorship, she's paying for everybody in the courtroom for that to happen, that has to be biased. And I think the whole... The whole laws around conservatorship has to change because of her. It literally benefits no one in the whole courtroom 
for Britney Spears to get out of her conservatorship and that is such a major flaw in the system and it needs to be addressed and rectified. And with her documentary and the same thing with Paris Hilton's documentary, you just realize how bad it was at that time and we didn't really realize it was that bad because I remember, I was just a kid, but I remember paparazzi following them around. Her, Lindsay Lohan, Mary Kay and Ashley, Paris Hilton. Like, it's not like today where the famous people call the paparazzi. No, they were actually being stalked by the paparazzi. And we just thought it was so normal, and it wasn't normal. The The way the media can break people down, people like Michael Jackson, people like Paris Hilton. Like, the jokes about Paris Hilton during her sex tape leak, it wasn't even a consensual thing. It was leaked, and she was only 19 years old. Like, just imagine that happening today. It would not be okay for that, to make that person the laughing stock of America and to put, place all the blame on them for something that was leaked without their consent. Like, that would not be okay. And I find, I find that with Britney Spears, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of, like, why are you asking this young girl about her sex life? Why are you asking this young girl whether she's a virgin or not? Like, you just see so much inappropriateness in the way she was handled and the way the media handled her, how, how we really just build people up just so we can tear them down. And I'm glad that the effects of what that does to a person is being, is being brought to life. Because maybe... <laughs> Maybe it'll change the way we... I don't know. I don't know if it's going to change because now with the internet, there's a whole nother level. It's not media tearing you down. It's a whole bunch of trolls in your YouTube comments tearing you down. So I don't know if we'll ever collectively stop bullying people the way that we do. The reason we do this, um, there's a good film that you should watch that ironically is by the creator of... Not the creator the star of Entourage. Um, I think it was called Paparazzo. I can't remember, but it was about this child Paparazzo. I should really rewatch that as an adult because I watched it way back then. But one of the things he highlighted in that film is that the thing with gossip is it's a way for people to bond. It's a way for people to connect. We don't have to address ourselves. We get to just talk about What's happening with Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson? What's happening with Rihanna and whoever she is dating? Like, we get to just have something to talk about and sound knowledgeable about. And it's just a bonding tool. And that's all it is. It's a parasocial relationship with these people we don't even know, but we don't even think about how it affects them. I don't know. I just have a lot of thoughts about that time, about how much how misogyny was normalized and like how someone had a tweet earlier. Let me read that tweet because I think he kind of hit the nail on the nose. This guy is named I Fitz Maurice. So I just want to give proper credit where proper credit is due. But he said, my main takeaway from framing Britney Spears is that every media I came in contact with as a young man in the early 2000s 
was specifically tailored to promote misogyny, which I wish I was more aware of during adolescence. People love to roll their eyes at young people these days, but they have the ability to log on and read about why certain viewpoints are toxic and violent. When you're 13 and only absorbing traditional media, you're told someone like Britney is either a sex object or a sinner, and that's it. Um, and I think that was a very important point because there is this, this divide in each of the generations. And I think that's where it is. Like Gen Z cannot understand those of us who are millennials because they don't understand what it's like to just be told by traditional media what to kind of think and not have the option of looking up what other people think. And that's just in my generation. I can't even imagine what it's like for people who were growing up in the 80s, people who were growing up in the 70s, 60s, 50s without any type of internet. So yeah, I like to touch on those things a lot. I like to think about that a lot because it's interesting. It's interesting how things are evolving. We're really witnessing an evolution. And I suppose every generation is going to witness an evolution. But it seems like my generation in particular is witnessing a, a crazy revolution, a crazy evolution of human intellect, which we could also attribute to the age of Aquarius. But yeah, I highly recommend you watching the Britney Spears documentary and honestly I'm just worried about her and I hope she's okay. The Super Bowl also happened this week but I don't know anything about football. I don't even know who played and I'm not going to pretend to. I yeah so I'm about to go meet with the designer who's helping me launch my fashion line which by the way you should follow on Instagram and flux the line. And she's about to show me the first sample of a piece that we kind of worked on together. So I'm so excited about that. I'm going to go meet with her now. And I hope that this episode was not as daunting and just lifeless as the last one. And I hope I'm getting better at this. You guys know where to find me. Same name. Alexis Balan on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all of the places. And... For those of you who are a member of my website and you're getting the full episodes of these podcasts and getting the ones that I don't put on public streaming platforms, I can't thank you enough. I'm doing it for you, so thank you. Bye!